everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 541, Master's Feud. Big Chillians, welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joins us with Eddie. Eddie, how's it going? Yeah, things are going well on my end. How about you? Not too bad. I, I have to say, I had, I'm had. i going to tee you up for a good opening story for our listeners, a story I'm pretty sure we have not told on the podcast yet. It's a more recent story, and it was triggered by watching Top Chef. So I talked last week how Top Chef is on, uh, it's like the international one now, and they're in London. So they did a pub crawl and they stopped in, I think, three pubs, two of which we've been to. The last one was Trafalgar Tavern. Trafalgar, I'm assuming. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That word always trips me up. Yeah. <laughs> it's a mouthful. But uh, yeah, the site of the infamous Man City loss to Chelsea, I believe, right? Which was the last thing in our bets. Yeah. That was a, that was a bad day. But I don't think we've ever told the story of the guy outside of the tavern. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a hard story to retell in some respects because I don't know how well it translates to purely audio format. I guess, or is a good opportunity to say, follow us on you know, search for the Big Chill Podcast on social media platforms, and then you can get some video element. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's the only time in my life where I've seen someone throw some Nazi salutes and then projectile vomit everywhere. (laughs) It was an interesting combination. Oh, pretty. Yeah. I was trying to explain this to Carissa like, Oh, I've been there. Not only have I been there, I've seen one of the strangest, grossest, disturbing things I've ever seen in my life there. Yeah. And especially because when I first came across the man in question, he was like, had semi passed out in a urinal. He'd sort of lost it. <laughs> <laughs> He'd fallen backwards into a urinal and was kind of using it as a makeshift stool, which was an interesting That's way so to come across someone. Uh, are you sure he wasn't shitting himself? <laughs> I mean, his pants weren't down, so I can't, I cannot comment. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> no. Yeah, it was, it was interesting to see, to actually see that place pop up kind of strange pub to go to on that kind of event like i mean it's a nice pub in a nice location on a like on a sunny day being there you get a nice view of the river and it's got a nice space outside and the you know nice old pub but it wouldn't top my list of pubs to go to in london if you're kind of trying to get some history associated with the the city so they were saying they were doing places with uh, so one was history, and then I think that was supposed to be a place that had decent pub food to give them an example of what English pub food was. I don't remember. Did we eat there? Um, no. I don't think we did. We saw the food. It did look nice. But I mean, it didn't yeah. look like anything. It looked like nice pub food, which you could find at you know, dozens yeah. of pubs around London, something equal, if not better. The, I guess the nice thing from a filming perspective, maybe it's a really big space. So maybe that's... Yeah. It's more that element that it lends itself. They were all to. outside on the patio, and it's a pretty big patio. Yeah, with a nice view. Yeah, until you realize that there was a, a Nazi throwing up on it. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we had sent them that video, they probably would have thought twice about picking that location. <laughs> so off of that, though, Eddie, I also have another trivia question for you. So I've been hitting you with trivia. In that episode, I think it was that episode or the next one, they talked about the national fruit and vegetable of England. Care to take a guess? Um, I'll say the turnip. Not the turnip. Um, uh, this is tough. I, I really have, I don't even know a real starting point because I'm, I'm trying to like, you have the strawberry associated with Wimbledon, but I very much doubt uh, that would be like. So I, I'm asking for like two separperate things. No, I understand. The, okay, okay. I, but, I wasn't trying to trick you with like the vegetable that's really a fruit. Yeah, question. yeah, no, it's, it's not a tomato, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just tough because I'm trying to think of is this something that you'd say is native to the United Kingdom? I think yes, they are. Is it a type of berry, the fruit? No. Is it an apple? More. Yes, it is an apple. I was going to say, think more bland. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the apple is the national fruit of England. And the national and vegetable. vegetable. The vegetable. Also think pretty bland. <laughs> uh, carrot? No, not as fancy as the carrot in my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> it's not as fancy as the carrot. Is it less bland than a turnip? Because turnip's super bland. I don't know. I don't eat much turnips nowadays. I will give you the hint. It is associated with pub food. Pea? Slightly. Yes. The garden the garden pea, specifically. It okay. easily grows throughout Britain for centuries. Yeah, those both seem appropriate. It's not as dumb as right, like Scott the national animal of Scotland is a unicorn. It's not nothing that stupid. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're not no, it's not Scottish stupid. <laughs> Good. Back to back episodes where i can bash the scottish actually i complimented them last time so this is just evening th- even evening things out i guess from there we can go to european football because the thing that popped up today that i saw that i wanted to get your take on was you uh pretty adamant i think in our last podcast episode i, I think it was on air it was definitely off air but it would have also been on air um talking about yelling at the officials and the repercussions for yelling at the official with uh, that was, was that Fulham? Oh, touching the official when Mitrovic, when he kind of yes. manhandled yeah, yeah. the official. Yeah. And he received an eight game suspension. Now, is that fair, Eddie? Do you think that's what should be done? Should it be that, that severe? I actually thought it was going to be slightly more severe, but wow. Um, it's kind of seeing him through to the end of the season. So that makes sense, I guess. Um, but I mean, it seems entirely appropriate to me. I, I wish it happened more frequently. And as I said, on the, the time that we've discussed it last, I wish, you know, more yellow and red cards were shown to players for interacting inappropriately with, with officials. But it's, you know, he goes down as his is unique because I mean, to be as physical as he was with an official doesn't happen frequently. But I think, you know, I don't see why you can say pretty much anything you want to them, but the minute you happen to place a hand on their shoulder, that's crossing the line. I mean, I do get there's a difference between verbally and physically assaulting someone, but still it's, you know, I wish there were just higher standards across the board. 
Do you think this will make a change? No, because it's still the anomaly, right? To, to have someone treat referees in the way in which he did. So, you know, once every couple of years, someone will really overstep the mark and they'll get a pretty serious suspension. But for the most part, it won't change anything. Maybe he'll think twice, I guess. But he's Willie? Probably not. He's fairly when those hot-headed. wires cross. I don't think thinking is is uh, high on that priority list. No, he's he's pretty hot headed. So there's a good chance this doesn't have any impact on his future behavior. But yeah, I think it's a blow to Fulham, obviously, because he's um, an important part of their team. So it's the the people who will be most punished by it are his teammates and you know the football supporters of Fulham. But I mean, while we're talking about officiating controversies and people manhandling other players on the pitch. The big controversy out of last night was Harry Kane going to ground fairly easily in the match between Spurs and Everton, which resulted in a sending off. He has received quite a bit of backlash for diving or at least making the most, I suppose, of some fairly light contact to his face. He's he's not he's not helped by the fact that his reaction to it seemed slightly delayed. And I can understand the criticism. And I, I get people saying that with VAR nowadays, it's probably going to be reviewed and it's going to be a red card whether or not you go to the ground. But I don't put it in the category of like full on diving or cheating because I just think he was sort of ensuring that the referee paid attention to what had gone on. And it's unfortunate, but I think time and time again in, in modern football, we see if you don't do that, then there is a possibility that your opponent gets away with something. So I kind of don't blame him for, for doing what he did. Yeah. That's always the line I think with sports, because when you're young, you're always told in almost any sport, I mean, maybe I don't know because I didn't actually play European football, but you know, it's, you know, just like, just keep playing, just keep playing. Like, don't sit there and complain. You know, it's like, you're, like when you're young, like you have to keep playing. But then there comes a point where you realize that if you do, not maybe not exaggerate the penalty, but make the penalty more well seen or known, that you're gonna get an advantage from it. So like it's it's interesting. Like at what point in your age does it cross over where you don't care about just like playing, just keep going anymore, and you want to get the advantage that you could possibly get from the penalty? So it's it's yeah, it's part of the game, right? But I, it's tough because you're right. There's a part. It's part of the game, but at the same time, there is a limit to it. There is, but you know, Spurs in the end they. It ended up being a draw and a disappointing result for Spurs. But had he not reacted in the way in which he did and had DeCorey not been sent off and then say at the end of the match, Spurs had either drawn or lost, people would have, there would have been some plaudits for, for him in terms of his behavior and setting a good example to other players and young people, young players but ultimately, I think people would have been critical of him for kind of letting Spurs down in a tight battle for Champions League places of, great, you stayed on your feet, but potentially cost Spurs a vital couple of points that might make all the difference come the end of the season. And 
you know, those points might equal millions upon millions of pounds through additional Champions League revenue. So it's one of those, I think he's kind of damned if he does, damned if he doesn't to a certain extent. And I and ultimately, I think the criticism that he then faced is maybe heightened by the fact that they didn't even win. So it's yeah. like, oh, you you did that, and in the end, you lost. You didn't you didn't pick up the three points anyway, and that makes it look kind of worse. And but I think it's better to have the criticism come from your haters versus your fans. <laughs> yeah, although even some Spurs fans have said they're disappointed in him. I don't know. It's just, I. I understand why he's done it. And also to Decore, people have said it's kind of a, a, a gentle push to the face. Like his fingers have gone into Harry Kane's eyes. I mean, not viciously, but I don't think the average person, it's one of those things you see it in slow motion and it makes everything look, slow motion either does one of two things. With something like this, it makes it look less severe than with like hits and tackles. It makes everything look more severe. You know, like the a slow motion slap to the face looks pathetic, but a slow motion late tackle a little high on your ankle looks incredibly vicious. And in this situation, I think he's not the slow motion replays people thinking like, what, he's barely brushed his face and he's fallen to the ground. But you can see he does sort of stick his fingers in his eyes. I don't think he, you know, Harry Kane's vision is okay, but... Ultimately, I don't know how much criticism you can give to a player when the outcome is the correct one. I don't hear anyone saying Decore shouldn't have been sent off. So if that's your position, I don't really know why you're then aiming any criticism at the player who was on the receiving end. It's kind of bizarre. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty bad. And uh, I mean, the fact, like, I also love if this were just normal people and I was walking, like, or against someone on the street and I kind of just lightly brush my hand in their face and poke their eye that they like wouldn't react at all. Like there would no. be no like moving your head back or like going crazy. Like, no, it would never happen. It's just an instinct. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, the, yeah, he made the most of it, but it wasn't totally unreasonable. And I guess the final topic from a kind of European football standpoint, the, the managerial merry-go-round continued Chelsea did the yeah. Chelsea did the only thing that can make us discuss them again, which is they fired Graham Potter. It was a sh- short-lived stay, and uh, well, what we isn't can... a short-lived stay at Chelsea anymore? I mean, you say anymore? It's it, you know when they when this Todd Bowley and this com- consortium took charge, they said it was going to be kind of a new approach to running Chelsea. One of the things Abramovich was famous Monthly? for was. <laughs> One of the things Abramovich was famous for was having a short leash with managers and and a little bit of a turnstile, aside from some of the Mourinho years, really. And, you know, they've now sacked two managers in the space of seven months. So if anything, they're trying to break. Maybe they meant we're going to make it normal to go through three managers in a season. Maybe they, (laughs) they thought there was too much stability under Abramovich, potentially. Maybe then they really start throwing a loop where they start bringing them back. Well, Mourinho is one of the managers that's being discussed for a potential return. So this would be his his third stint at uh, Chelsea. It seems unlikely if you look at the the betting odds that are not always indicative of next managerial appointments. But Julian Nagelsmann, who's just been sacked by Bayern, is the odds-on favorite to be the next manager of Chelsea. So that's kind of worked out 
pretty conveniently for him that a seemingly top job has opened up as soon as he's lost his job. Uh, but I have a feeling we won't see Frank Lampard anytime soon, though, coming back around. No, he is. He's on the list. He's 50 to one. So, but there are a host of the same odds as Gareth Southgate. So, <laughs> okay. What are your odds, Eddie? <laughs> you know, others on request. Maybe I get myself added to the list. Although Graham Potter, actually, looking at those betting markets, he is favorite to be the next manager of Leicester City, who also Ooh. sacked their manager at the weekend. So, yeah. and and Brendan Rodgers, who was sacked by Leicester, is favorite to be the next manager of Spurs. So it's <laughs> this is quite a merry-go-round. It's it's all very incestuous. <laughs> the Premier League, yeah, it really is. I mean, like we discussed, once you can put one Premier League club on your CV, it's. I'm not going to say it's a job for life, but it puts you in the discussions. Like it's an interview for life. I think it's it's fair to say. But yeah, it'll be interesting. What is uh, Nathan Shelley's odds? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll put a I'll put a request. Uh, the Wonderkind. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Maybe we can get him appointed. Get him working his way up the betting. I don't know if you saw Eddie, but uh, there's a big. Uh, merger, I guess not merger, but uh, acquisition for Endeavor, the parent company of UFC. Have you seen that they have bought the WWE? I I haven't. It's I, I'm I fall into that group of people who at no point in their lives has had any interest in professional wrestling. So I do not. But really- now, Eddie, you'll see all these amazing crossovers that we've been seeing for the past few years even more frequently. Great. <laughs> Great. So yeah. much Brock Lesnar crossover action. I have to admit, it's one of the things I'm all for. If you like something and if it brings you pleasure, I kind of don't want to ever really discourage someone from, you know, like if your favorite sport is, you know, polo, good for you. Like I'm not going to sit down and watch a match, but. You know, if, or if, if that, your favorite sport is a fake sport. This is my issue. People okay. who take, as an adult, who still seriously follow and discuss wrestling. If you then have a kid and you kind of want to pass on that experience, I think that's a little bit different. I, I think that puts you into a, a different category. But I'm, I'll throw out my, I'll call out my nemesis here, Bill Simmons, who's still on his podcast, one of the biggest sports podcasts there is seriously discusses the ongoings of WWE and not the business side of things. Cause that's, you can tell me that's kind of interesting. Like it's a huge business, you know, there's to see the decisions that they've made and the deals they've been able to make. Like I'm fine with taking some kind of level of interest in that, but to, to really be talking about what's coming up at WrestleMania, who you think will win, why you think someone's odds are better than others. Like it's crazy considering like, you do know this is just a scripted event. And so then what's your take, Eddie, on George Kittle, who not only is an enormous fan, but participated in WrestleMania this year? Um lucky. Does that Kittle, hurt? Does that hurt a little? A little bit. He's I mean, Kittle's dorky, right? Like there's no there's no doubt about it. I kind of want to say participating in WrestleMania is probably cool 
You know, like you could get me to compete in WrestleMania far more easily than you could get me to. How sit. quickly could you win the belt, Eddie? <laughs> well, am I a script writer? Because then immediately <laughs> it's either my easiest or toughest task. I'm not sure, but. I think you could get me to compete far more easily than you could get me to sit down and watch WrestleMania in its entirety. If those are the two options. So do you want to go as far and call people who watch WrestleMania the L word? Losers? Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, they're, they're forks. They are the, the official word okay. of the Big Chill podcast. They are forks. So, I'll, okay. Now I want to throw this out. Which one do you rate more forky? Adults who play Dungeons and Dragons or adults who actively watch the WWE? Oh, adults who actively watch the WWE. Wow. Because I've never been, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. You're going to catch some heat from this. (laughs) I've never, maybe, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. You're going to catch a suplex. (laughs) It's never, or as Bill Simmons says, a suplex. But <laughs> it's, uh, I've never really had an interest in Dungeons and Dragons, but I bet you in the right dynamic, I could enjoy a game of Dungeons and Dragons. I guess the other aspect would be going into Dungeons and Dragons, you know, it's fake. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but that's different. Yeah. And no one's pretending it's, well, I guess some people are pretending it's real, but there's no one seriously believing that it's a board game and everyone knows it's a board game that to me i'm not being critical because obviously like you can get we discuss tv shows in quite great detail we know that they're fake right like it's this fine wrestlemania just well wrestlemania wwd wwe oversteps that mark because it's pretending it's real and everyone who discusses it it's the emperor has no clothes kind of situation they are also pretending, which I, if you're a little kid, I get it. But once you're an adult to be having a serious discussion about who's the greatest wrestler of all time, I don't know who, who had the best scripts. Like what, what, <laughs> what else are you seriously discussing? Eddie, you just don't, you don't understand. You don't see it. It's way more than scripts, Eddie. It's the flair, the technique, sure, the persona. Oh, no. Like, I mean, look, I don't doubt, and I want to say, uh, uh, this is my, I'll add this in, there are, there are incredible athletes who do it. Like, there's there's no denying the fact that the athletic ability is amazing. And yeah, their charisma and their on stage. Are they athletes? No. They are at, incredibly athletic. There we go. But they are not, <laughs> they are not athletes. You don't consider them athletes? No. Ooh. I love your hot takes right now. <laughs> I don't think that's a hot oh, take. Oh, the WWE community is going to be livid. I think one of the requirements of... So if we fall into the idea that to be... For me to consider you an athlete in the event that you're doing, it, I have to think of it as a sport. And one of the requirements of a sport is not having a predetermined outcome. That to me is clear. And okay. so... Otherwise, I have to say, like, is Sylvester Stallone an athlete while he's playing Rocky? <laughs> you know, like, what's the difference? <laughs> is Michael B. Jordan one of the greatest boxers in the modern era? 
<laughs> one of the greatest movie boxers. Why? Why add the qualifier? <laughs> he's, everything he's doing is just as real as anyone in WrestleMania. Speaking of SmackDowns, Eddie, Masters coming up. Live versus the PGA Tour. A lot of shit talking going on already. Fred Couples, the 75-year-old smack talker himself, is not backing down. I'm fine with Fred, you know, because Fred Couples has been outspoken from the start, and I respect that. I respect. And slight disrespect, Couples is only 63, not 75. I I think, uh, but I, I respect the fact that he was outspoken from the very beginning and then has just maintained that position. I have less respect for the golfers who have decided i mean you can't just fight it forever i do get that at some moment in time it gets boring so and you, you want to discuss other things so you don't want to be every press conference asking questions answering questions about live golf if you're a pga tour professional but yeah i i, I respect i don't i have no issue i would be pissed off if i were on the pga tour i'd be pissed off that live golfers were turning up to the masters so I'd be I'd be openly saying that. And I really hope that a live golfer doesn't win. I mean, I hope they never win a major just because they will be so annoying to listen to. And and I just added in add into the fact that I actually don't really like any of the major golfers on the live tour like their actual personalities i find most of them to be annoying anyway so i wouldn't have like i didn't want brooks kepka to win another major before he went to live i definitely don't want him to win another one now that he's at live yeah i did find funny though is that fred couples quote well he's he apparently had called Phil Mickelson a nutbag and sergio garcia clown and then he goes on to say that um, I've made comments, but they need to understand, if you've looked at anything I've ever said, I call myself the same stuff I'm calling them. I just don't think they should bash the PGA Tour or anything. Just go play golf. So he's called himself a nutbag and a clown. <laughs> <laughs> nutbag seems strange to call yourself. I can, get, I can get calling yourself a clown, but nutbag seems, but I mean also too. This is the thing, I think, in sports in general sometimes. Those are such minor insults that people get, athletes can let themselves get so offended to these minor slights. If I were a professional athlete and someone called me a clown, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't be, who cares? Like, honestly, who cares? Same with nutbag. I wouldn't be insulted by that. I've been called, I get called far worse on a daily basis, and I'm not making $100 million. Well, the other thing we love to do for the Masters is discuss the dinner menu. Now, we've done this the past three Masters at this point now, where um, all the winners have dinner. I believe it's uh, April today. It should be tonight's dinner. So Tuesday night, all the previous Masters winners get together and they have a dinner selected by the previous year's winner, which this year is Scotty Scheffler. Have you seen his menu? I have. Yes. Okay. Well, we can still go through it. 
<laughs> and you, you, you give me your opinions. Yeah. All right. So the appetizer hors d'oeuvre area is cheeseburger sliders served Scotty style. <laughs> we don't know what that is yet. We'll have to wait for the live tweets for what Scotty style means. Firecracker shrimp with sweet Thai chili and sriracha mayo. Yeah. And a tortilla soup with avocado, crispy blue tortilla strips, sour cream, cilantro, and lime. Look, I'm sure everything they serve every time is delicious. I just think it's a shame when you have all of those resources at your disposal and the ability to pick anything at all to, to kind of plan a children's birthday party is... <laughs> A slight shame. I I hear you. I do. But at the same time, if I walked into a dinner that I was anticipating to be really fancy and I might be slightly disappointed and someone was like, no, we got the best cheeseburger sliders and firecracker shrimp all you could eat, I'd be like, hell yeah. The shrimp I'd be much more excited about. The sliders, I'm sure they're good. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm never that enthusiastic. I like a burger. You can definitely have a bad burger. You can have a bad slider. But I've never eaten a burger or a slider that's like blown my mind, right? I think there's, you kind of, once you go down the burger route, you're saying, if this is terrible, this is like a three. If this is amazing, it's an eight. There's no nine, 10. There's no one, two. Like, Assuming you haven't dropped them on the ground or rolled them in some shit, they're edible <laughs> and they're never going to be like, oh my God, this is the greatest burger I've ever eaten. That just doesn't exist. And then the main course, Texas ribeye steak or blackened redfish, family style mac and cheese. I don't know what that means. That's family style. Jalapeno creamed corn, fried Brussels sprouts and seasoned fries. Now that sounds a little child birthday party to me. That's where you could upscale it a little. <laughs> if you want to go like a little easy on the appetizers and kind of make it like things that everyone enjoys, you can't then follow that up with mac and cheese and French fries on dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I'm sure it's great. And the steak, again, the steak seems basic, but a great steak is a great steak. But it does seem, yeah. it seems like, a 12, 13-year-old has been asked to plan their favorite meal. Yeah, that one's got, that one is a little rough. And then the dessert is a warm chocolate chip skillet cookie with milk and cookies ice cream. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> Even... What's your take on skillet cookies? I don't think I've ever had a skillet cookie, to be honest. Oh. But they're pretty good. I, I'm sure it's not. I I had one at uh Abe's kids first birthday party last year okay <laughs> only specific <laughs> reference but, but yeah no i mean it's i get it but i'm sure it will be great just because i think every time they put out food i'm sure it's amazing because they wouldn't let you you know like that's they're going to focus so much on delivering a great experience but i would be a little bit disappointed if I'm so, attending that event. What's your bigger issue? Is your bigger issue that it sounds like this is the order you can get from Chuck E. Cheese or that there's absolutely no like cohesion with this meal? 
I mean, you're going from sliders to shrimp to tortilla soup to to a steak. I guess the cohesion would be the is Texan, right? That's sort of it's like a Tex-Mex. That's sort of guess, what he's going for. But I don't know if firecracker shrimp are really Tex-Mex. No, but I'm, I give, but yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. It's I would be disappointed if you've had all year to plan this, which you have. I mean, I'm not saying you're spending 365 days, but if I won the Masters, I would say over the course of the next few months, I'm polling people. I'm asking all my friends, like, what do you suggest I put on the menu? You know, I'm asking my family maybe for some, you know, a mixture of things my family eats or as a kid I did love. Like, I do, I do like that idea of, oh, this is something I've loved all my life. Let me bring that. But... The thing that would disappoint me is if you're going to do the, hey, this is something sort of from my childhood that I grew up with. Let me bring that and have these people experience them. It's a slider or it's a steak. Like they've all had those. You're not, you're not introducing them to something new or it's mac and cheese. Now there's a possibility maybe some of them haven't had mac and cheese if they're not American and they've just never ordered it. It's possible, but it's unlikely still. I think that's the, the bit that would bother me. It's just absolutely every item on that menu is so basic. Yeah. I mean, he's also originally from New Jersey as well. So he did move to Texas when he was like, I think like seven or eight. But it's not as if this is like in his, it's not like his his family are like born and bred Texans. They're not, they don't own a ranch. And this is like, this is, yeah, the no. steak has come from my cattle farm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's only 26. So maybe he still just has the, the palate of a of a twelve year old face of a forty five year old palate of a twelve year old <laughs> evens <laughs> evens out. I don't want to be clear there. I don't think he's not a you know. But Scotty Scheffler has never looked young. Yeah, even when they show him in like as an amateur in college, he still looks like he's like that. That kid who's in college, or just like, uh, did you take a few gap years yeah. or? Uh, were you, did you go off and do a mission for a few years? What's going on? Yeah. He's like Stenson Bennett. Yeah, he has never looked young. I mean, I don't know at what point he just didn't call in KFC and uh, have them do their new sandwich they brought back, Eddie, the Double Down. Do you remember the last time the Double Down was out? Is that the thing where the the buns are chicken? Is that what it is? Yes. It's just absolutely <laughs> disgusting. So it's two chicken fried chicken fillets, and then inside is is double cheese, double bacon, and double mayo. <laughs> <laughs> the double mayo seems unnecessary, but I just I don't know how you eat it. Like that's just accepting that you have no respect for yourself. The second Well, the reviews say it is a slightly clunky eating experience. From trying to cram two stacked chicken fillets into my mouth. <laughs> it really does just feel like eating meaty, boneless fried chicken with some melted cheese and bacon, which is not a bad thing. <laughs> I, I'm not a huge KFC fan, but if you told me good fried chicken with that in between, it's, it's, I'm, it tastes good. I'm not like, there's no denying yeah. that fact. But you have to look like a, a fucking sociopath eating it. Just though. ordering it. I think that's, you place that order. <laughs> The person you are ordering it from, you have to share 
eye contact of you absolute piece of human shit. Like there is, <laughs> there is no way that person standing behind that counter has any, even an iota of respect for you once you've done that. Oh man. There was one person whose review was, this sandwich is so incredible. Truly a marvel of fast food. I've eaten two each day since Monday. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I guess. So he's doubling down on the double down. If you like KFC, I don't know. I'm not a KFC fan. So. You must be on the Atkins diet. I've only had KFC once in the last probably 10 years it is not something and that was with former co-host sam i think it's more who's a huge kfc fan big kfc fan if he were on this podcast he might have to leave right now to double down no oh, he used to leave all the time to double down <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> this time he'd also go to kfc but yeah it's uh yeah no i'll ask him his thoughts and we'll try and share that on a future episode i don't know if they I don't know if they brought it to the UK, so he might not be able to actually. Ooh. I mean, maybe you can ask them to make you one. That might be the it can be one of the secret menu items. Maybe I'll bring one from the US. Yeah, that would be delicious. There was a good argument I heard the other day with the etiquette for air travel and what you should wear. And I personally don't really care if you want to wear like sweatpants to air travel. That's okay, but. The taking the shoes off in the plane is where I draw the line. You can wear, you know, like baggy shorts and sweatpants because you got an eight-hour flight and you don't want to be in like tight jeans or whatever. That's fine. But do not take those shoes off. (laughs) So shorts, I'm not a fan. Like it depends where you have to know if you're sitting in first class or business class. If you're not knocking knees with somebody, I'm fine with you wearing shorts. If you know you're in the middle aisle of, (laughs) I don't like the idea of you wearing shorts. I don't want to feel your bare skin on me at any point. So, But you won't have shorts on, so you won't. No, but still, I just don't. Or are you allowed to wear shorts, but no one else is? Is this the Eddie rule? No, no, no. I mean this. (laughs) This is the Larry David rule. No, no. Sweatpants, fine. If they're like nice sweatpants. Again, if like you're wearing your stained, awful sweatpants, no. I think airlines should turn people away at that point. I no flip-flops. I'm a little more relaxed on this because if it's a long flight, you're going to be like sleeping and you want to be comfortable. Well, this this is where I'm going to disagree with you slightly in your seat. I'm fine with you slipping off your shoes. If you've got socks on. No, if you've got socks on, I'm fine with that. Disgusting. If you're not going to get up, if you're not going to move now, the qualifier here is I'm expecting you to have clean socks and clean feet. Come on, the amount of people who travel like long distances, you're going to run that risk that they haven't been in those socks and shoes for at least 12, 14, 16 hours. But again, this is the problem. So if I have a little degree of sympathy, if you're if you're popping your shoes off on a two hour flight, no. But if you're on a, you know, a 10 hour flight to keep your shoes on the whole time, like it is kind of nice to just get, like give your your toes a little bit of a wiggle, stretch your feet out a little bit to slip the shoes off for a tiny bit. If you're about to go to sleep, you're just sitting in your, in your, why can't I take my pants off? Then I think <laughs> I got underwear on. 
Like, what's the difference? I want to give my legs a, a little wiggle. <laughs> I don't think it's quite the same. Let me pop those pants off real quick. I got on. No, I got underwear on. Well, you know what? If you get yourself one of those super expensive private cabins, you can do that. <laughs> I see no difference. Keep your fucking shoes on. I mean, look, you know, and again, hopefully you're flying in a classy enough airline and, uh, you know, flying class where you get, they provide you with nice socks and you can slip those on instead, get a nice clean pair of socks on for the, for the rest of your, maybe even some slippers. How would you feel about that? How would you feel if someone popped off, they had like flight slippers that they then popped on instead? Mm. Are they doing it in the bathroom? No, no. I don't get people. So they're still taking their shoes off in front of me. Is this your issue? Is the possibility of seeing socks? Is this like a phobia for you? <laughs> yeah, I have a sock phobia. I like feet. I do not know why. <laughs> Mr. Deeds. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I get where you're coming from because the vast majority of people's feet will stink. And so I don't really want them taking it off. This is a little bit of a rule for me and not necessarily a rule for other people. But I think you're a clean person, fresh pair of socks and stuff. I'm sympathetic when you're on a long flight. I will usually, I will certainly take my shoe off at some point to like stretch my foot. Now I would never, you sick fuck. I would never walk around the cat. <laughs> I would never walk around the cabin. Those people, when you see people like walk to the bathroom, just in their socks, like <laughs> so what world? Then it's flipped. Like you're now just disgusting. Because why on earth do you think anything you're walking on is remotely clean? Oh, I mean that's why when I go to the bathroom in airplanes, I just piss all over the floor. <laughs> fuck with those people. <laughs> if you see them next in line, yes. Oh, if I see them next in line, then I shit on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> The P is just a precautionary maneuver. <laughs> the shit, that's deliberate. Now, question for you then. We, we This was posed to us by a, a friend of the podcast who had it as a suggestion for a topic of discussion. It is a, a, a debate that is somewhat... I've seen a, a number of people discuss over the past few few weeks and months but which one of these sports achievements is harder the hole in one in golf the nine daughter in darts the one four seven break in snooker or the perfect game in bowling you still don't know what a one four seven break i still don't get yeah i still don't get this the snooker so that's tough so to, to explain it to people so i mean we can i think everyone understands what a hole in one is so hopefully, Got if you know golf, oh, oh, I know. If you bowled, I think you have an idea of, you know, a perfect score, a strike on every attempt. Ball. The nine darter in darts. So in professional darts, in most competitive darts competitions, you're going from five oh one to zero, and you have to finish on a double. And so the fewest number of darts in which you can do that is nine darts. So that is what a nine dart finish is. There are a couple of it's, a, it's so it's basically the equivalent of a, a bowling a perfect game would be throwing a dirt perfect dart. Yes, 
there are a couple of different variations in terms of how you can get to clear it, but still. And then the 147 break in snooker is essentially the same concept. So each ball in snooker is worth a different amount. And you have to do red. You have to pot a red. And then you have to pot one of the non-red colors. And you alternate that in snooker. And so the highest possible score you can do is red, black, red, black, red, black. Until you have cleared all the reds. And then once all the reds are gone, you have to pot the colored balls in a particular sequence. If you do all of that, the perfect score is 147. Now, I think by far and away the easiest of these is a hole-in-one in golf. Yeah. Well, I'm going to eliminate the snooker because I still, like, I've never done, played it, so I don't know how difficult it would be, right? Yeah. So out of the other three, yes, I think I think the hole-in-one's easiest because it's literally just one shot. Yeah, and you could you just get, get lucky. lucky on one shot. Yes. There's nothing. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you get so lucky, you could even, like, hit the cart path and have it bounce onto the green and go in. But for instance, in bowling, you can't bowl into the the gutter and have it knock out and get. You could, but the chances consecutive of, strikes. The chance, <laughs> yeah, but the chances of you getting lucky multiple times in a row is slim. Oh, <laughs> not maybe for you. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, so that's the that's the reason why to me golf the golf hole in one. Okay. Is. I would then say after that bowling is the next easiest yeah because i think again you could have more luck like yeah if you told me the bigger target i had to dedicate my life to doing these four things which four of them and that sort of became my obsession and i have no job no financial concerns it's just every day you know over the course of a week until i've achieved all four of them i have to dedicate all my time to these four tasks. I would feel most confident I get golf hole in one done first. It, it depends a little bit too. I guess there's a qualifier, right? There's people who cheat sometimes. Like I remember Rick Riley, the former ESPN uh, columnist. He once spent a whole day trying to get a hole in one. He wanted to see how many attempts it would take him. Like, are you allowing me to just sit up at the same par three and hit balls and wait till one goes in? Or do I have to get a hole in one in the course of a round? Because there, there's a huge difference. Yeah. So I'm also now just looking in terms of like what's been televised. So how many nine dart finishes do you think have been televised? Uh, not that many. I know the first one wasn't that long ago, relatively speaking. I'll say 60. 72. Okay. Hole in ones, there's going to be a ton. Yeah. Because. Uh, I was also just looking at um, bowling. There's been 34 televised bowling perfect games. Yeah. So 300s. A 147 break, probably more than the bowling. The thing, the thing that makes this tough, though, is I've feel like i might be wrong i feel like bowling is the least televised of all these sports so then like it probably in terms of how frequently is a perfect score in bowling televised well it's helped by the fact yeah. that it's just not on tv that much but the difference there is, though is if you go to a bowling alley you'll see all the per 
perfect games that have been thrown by thrown bold by like local people but is there such equivalent like for darts like do you walk into a pub and there's like perfect dart games <laughs> like a like a plaque i've never seen someone throw a nine dart finish in person i've never seen anyone get close to a nine dart finish like i've never seen someone get on i've never seen someone throw consecutive 180s so i've never even seen someone get to the the kind of third leg of the challenge i think the most i've seen someone throw five treble 20s in a row that was very exciting but it's still nowhere you're halfway towards the 147 and you actually haven't even gone on to the hard part because you know you might have just triple 20 is you're more likely to be efficient there because it's what you're normally aiming for so for hole in ones the record on the PGA tour for a player with the most is 10 there are two players that have had 10 hole in ones in their PGA career the amateur record although probably not official official is a player who holds who holds 59 hole in ones in his career. So I think that's a lot. I don't know that there's many amateurs that have thrown 59 perfect dark games. No, but there probably are people. I mean, there's probably people out there with a lot of perfect games in bowling. Like if you're yes. the type of guy who can bowl a th- or girl who can bowl a 300, you'll probably do it multiple times. Like, it's not as if you're going to be someone who, and this is again, it's because golf, uh, bowling also seems easier because it is fundamentally the same action over and over again. In both snooker and in darts, you have to do some variation. Like, you don't just get to throw out one number in darts. Effectively, in bowling, you just get to go, let me. Well, you get to throw one number, what, seven times? <laughs> But still, at some point you have to yeah. you have to move elsewhere. Um, but yeah, I yeah. snooker would be you. You could let me play snooker the rest of my life, and I'm not getting the one four seven. That would, that's clear. Hole in one, I would definitely get at some point. Again, as I said, it depends how you let me do it. Do I get to just play, keep going to like par three courses and just wait until I get lucky with one? It would eventually, I think, happen. Like, I know plenty of golfers with holes in one. And a lot of them are not particularly good golfers. They just got on the green and hit the right spot and it rolled into the hole. Like, obviously, a professional <laughs> golfer, it's different. Like they are zeroing in on a hole in a different way but that's not what we're talking about i think a nine daughter in darts i could eventually do Ooh. but I, again if i dedicated my life to having that be an achievement snooker i just could never do it it would just never happen yeah the darts is tough it's such a small window <laughs> yeah i mean the other thing that would drive you insane with all but the hole-in-one. I mean, the hole-in-one, you'd have some close calls and that would bother you. The thing that would infuriate you, at least darts, it's fast. Like if you're just playing by yourself, you can get those nine darts. Like you can get through a lot of attempts pretty quickly. Like bowling takes a while. So for example, if you got down to the final strike and that's where you mess up, that's a long way to go again. Like that's what would kill you. Same with a snooker. I mean, to... 
if you got down to the potting the black to finish things up and you miss that, the cue might be going through your forehead. Yeah, the 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 time scenario is is also to keep yeah, that's important I guess too. You're right. Because with the bowling, it would the games just take longer and you it's probably even slightly more stressful on your body as pathetic as it is to yeah. say than darts <laughs> yeah 100 percent than darts yeah i mean then snooker too snooker where you'd have to think more like snooker would be so are are bowlers and dartsmen are they athletes eddie dartsmen darts players um i'm on the f- darts persons i'm on yeah i'm on the fence as to whether or not they are athletes I I think all four of these sports, you can tell me that they are not athletes, and I can't. Can do you consider them sports? So I do, but deep, but you consider darts a sport? Yes, but if you tell me they're like, I won't argue with you. I won't like vehemently disagree with you. If you tell me, even if you tell me golf isn't a sport. I can I can see the solid arguments that you can make, like you can you can make a set of like criteria for a sport that golf does not meet those requirements. It's close. I think the only one that might qualify would be golf. Yeah, I mean the the, the one that people love to argue about whether it is or the, like the thing that they reason they say golf isn't a sport is because you have no way of impacting the performance of your opponent. And I think that's fair for saying why. Oh, Tiger Woods would disagree on that. Well, mentally, yes, but you can't like play. There's no defensive element, right, to the sport. But then, if you if you say that, then sprinting, like all forms of running, none of those are sports. Uh, Which I th- that's that's where I get a lot of pushback. Is I'm not fully on board with like running being being a sport it's close because for me is it a sport if other sports are doing it to train for their sport like so soccer football they're running to train because that's one of the skills in a like skill set you have to have to perform the sport whereas there's only one skill in running and that's literally just running yeah, I mean, you practice it to a finer degree, right? So, you know, like no one's thinking about their running technique in that, to that same level as a track athlete would be. That, you know, like an American football player is not analyzing. But wide receivers do. Like they, like every step they make and like when they plant and when they cut and do all of that, they're really thinking about it. Yeah, again... The other one I have, so that's one of the criteria I always think about is like, is your sport being used as like a part of another sport? And the other one is, do you do, do you do, do are there outside trainings for whatever you're doing? Like is someone who throws darts, are they going to the gym to train to be a better dart thrower? Nowadays, yes. For sure. You think so? Yeah, nowadays, yes. Yeah. Gone are the days of 
just like you go to your pub, have a few pints, throw darts a lot, and then oh, you oh those days, no, Connor, but, those days. But those that realistically would have been a professional darts player's experience before. It would have been like, well, how do you train? Well, I go to my local darts club, I have pints, and I throw a lot of darts, and I'm pretty good at it. And then I go to a tournament. I think nowadays they'll be just because, yeah, they'll want strength in you know their elbows and their shoulders and and everything and also from injury prevention standpoint they'll be probably working out certain muscles so that they aren't i think we need to have a darts person on here (laughs) we can try if that's the sole focus what's your training routine like away from the dart away from the hockey question number one but and it it probably varies a bit depending on who it is because i think there are some darts players who have intentionally leaned into like wanting to get away from the old stereotypes of the like out of shape beer drinker. And so they are trying to be like fit and kind of have a new look to what professional darts is, but some of them still fall into that old stereotype. Uh, But I think that's a solid point. I guess the argument would be you don't need to go to the gym to be a really good darts player. Like, yeah, there's arm strength required, but it's pretty basic arm strength. It's always one of the things that's interested me, and there have been some successes in recent years of female darts players. I have never understood why male darts players are any better than female darts players. Like, there is no physical advantage I mean, the only argument, I guess, is just the number of there are way more male darts players. And so the chances of one of them becoming really good is. I I think that's a male dominated activity. There's a law of averages that that comes out there, but it still always slightly interests me. Like it's of all the sports or what some might consider sports. It would seem snooker, too. You know, why can't the best female snooker player be just as good as the best male snooker player? Like, there's no reason why they couldn't be. I mean, what about like an eating contest? Is that a sport? Yeah, they train for it. They definitely train. Um, Like, yeah, no, Joey Chestnut is not a professional athlete to me. But what he does is... Okay. But again, this is what becomes tough. If you then, there is no way of having a clear definition of a sport. This is obvious, but like, because I think most people, for example, the, I think the only one that I can kind of accept that eliminates competitive eating is the idea that you have no way of, there's no, you can't, there's no defensive aspect of the game. Like that basically means that almost every event in the Olympics is not a sport. Because there are very few Olympic events where there is yeah. a defensive element. Like, yeah. That's why they call them Olympic events and not Olympic sports. And they're the Olympic Games, not the Olympic sports. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but, you know, like swimming, not a sport. Diving, not a sport. Javelin, like all the track and field events, not sports. That's tough. I mean, even if you, if your definition was very limited to like, physical exertion it does does competitive eating qualify in that yeah it's, i guess so it's, right it's, they are physically exerting themselves they don't look very happy while they're doing their event no it's <laughs> certainly painful it requires 
physical preparation and training. The average person can't do it right. Like there's skill involved. There's is there skill involved though? That's that's a question. Is there actual skill in competitive eating? Now that's where you might get them. Maybe that's maybe that's where you get. There's it. technique for sure, but I don't know if there's skill. The only skill is some predisposition. It's like a physiological skill. Yeah, being able to just <laughs> eat a lot and then training so that your stomach can take it more. Having absolutely no sense of shame to just shovel food down your throat in with people looking at you. Like, yeah. And again, I think you should be able to, I think I wish there were more rules in competitive eating. Like in the hot dog eating contest, I wish they couldn't dip it in water. That's so stupid to me. Like you should be required to eat a hot dog in a normal way. Oh, like how God intended in the bun. Yes. Yeah, no, I think for sure you should have to eat a hot dog. Like if you said to me, hey, Eddie, did you eat a hot dog today? And I said, well, yeah, because like at one point I cooked myself a sausage and then like stuffed it down my fucking throat. I ate that. And then <laughs> 10 minutes later, I actually decided, you know what? I wouldn't mind eating a bun. And I just ate a bun. No one would say to me, oh, you ate a hot dog. They'd be like, no, you ate like a wiener and, or a sausage. And then a little bit later, you ate a bun. Like that's not. Yeah. <laughs> you had a, a water soaked bun. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. It's, it bothers, and I will say, I've had this discussion with people plenty of times. It bothers me when people are super adamant, like one thing is or isn't a sport, or that they can come up with a set of rules that will work. Because I promise you, anyone listening, and again, tweet at us if you think you have the perfect set of rules, but I'm going to think of something that doesn't meet your criteria that you probably think is a sport. It's tough. On a TV show update, Ooh. I have 100% given up on The Mandalorian. That's... <laughs> I told you. It's done. It's done. I told you. What episode, what episode put the nail in the coffin? Spoiler alert, I, if you haven't seen the new season of Mandalorian. I think it was episode five. I just think the endless, here's another t- like challenge Here's another. Oh, is it when the kid got snagged yeah. and brought to the to the, by the weird bird raptor thing? Yeah, by the dino bird. Yeah. That was yeah. I think it was a good run. Season one was enjoyable. <laughs> brought me kind of back into the Star Wars universe. Congratulations, but it's also forced me firmly out of the Star Wars universe. Well, I think the way in is Andor. That's the way it gets you back in. No. <laughs> it is nothing like the Mandalorian. It doesn't matter. It's it doesn't matter. It's 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 almost got nothing to even do with Star Wars. But you know what? This is the reason. Now I have because if after season one of The Mandalorian, you would have been like, Oh, it is nothing like Star Wars. It basically has nothing to do with Star Wars. And then Ultimately, actually, I think part of the reason why this bothers me the most, Mandalorian over time, it's kind of it has nothing to do with Star Wars. Like, it's total <laughs> disassociation with 
the overall Star Wars universe and just the fact that it seems. Th- no, that's not why it's bad. It's bad because it's th- the scripts are written by a f- four year old. <laughs> Scotty Scheffler. <laughs> yeah, Scotty Scheffler. <laughs> While he's been planning his. <laughs> he set the he set the menu on the masters on Monday and on Tuesday he wrote episode seven season, of the Mandalorian. Season three of the Mandalorian. Yeah, like it's bad. It's really bad. But. Oh, well, I got a serious lack of good TV shows to watch at the moment. It's it's an issue. Oh, well, that's because you don't watch the good shows. <laughs> sure. I don't watch Succession. Succession. No, you don't. That's the thing that I know. It just doesn't interest me at all. And I think it. See, what that's surprising to me because it's very British humor. I don't doubt to me. it. I know it's a joke. And I know that there's an element of satire even within it. And I know it's poking fun at the idiocy that surrounds these incredibly wealthy families. And it's supposed to be kind of the Murdoch family and looking at their weird inner dynamics and how a lot of them are just complete morons. And what bothers me is it still celebrates an aspect of modern society that I don't like and I can't watch it. Same reason I can't watch billions. I can't, even if someone tells me, Oh, uh, you know, like ultimately it's showing how they're bad people and it's not so they're not, a, they don't contribute to society, but yet they're traveling to super exotic locations that you go, Oh, yes. every time you see it. And like <laughs> everyone wants the lifestyle. Nah, that doesn't bother me too much. <laughs> Everyone wants the lifestyle that they have in succession, right? Like you're watching it thinking, wouldn't it be cool to be them? So. Well, partly. <laughs> well, no, because you're probably thinking to yourself, if I were them, I, could do it differently. I would make different yeah. decisions. And so all of that wealth and opportunity, I wouldn't be as much of a jackass. And so that would be an incredible life. See, now I, I think they caught some feedback from that in the earlier seasons and for the most part have dialed it down a little bit whereas like season one i think it could have been the first episode when they go play baseball for one of the birthdays they like fly out of new york city on helicopters to like a private field and like play this like upscale game of baseball and then like fly back on private jets back for like the afternoon meeting or something crazy, you know, like that was where it was like over the top, but the writing is just so good. I think it's so funny. It's very, it's like very dark humor, but then I'll give you, what about yellow jackets, Eddie? That's what you should start watching. I have one final point on succession too. the actors in it. When I hear them speak about, the way they talk about the importance of the show, that this is some impactful social commentary. That also bothers me. Like now, guys, you fucking... Is this just Jeremy Strong? Just all of them. Because he's a psycho. Just all of them. It's like you guys aren't changing the world through succession. You are just making lots of money to play people who are far wealthier than you. And most people are watching it thinking, isn't that a cool life? No one is going to stop watching Fox News because they think, Oh, those people are supposed to be like the Murdoch family and they look bad. Like there is, you are not doing anything. And though, when you just see actors taking themselves far too seriously, and then we then also have to see them 
on the red carpet wearing extravagantly expensive items of clothing. It's like, which part of the social commentary are you contributing to now? Like, I'm lost. I'm I'm trying to find exactly what it is you're doing to change the world. But that's my, yeah, that's my final point on why I will not be watching. Succession will not even make my YouTube clip repertoire at any point. Who brutally murdered your imagination as a child, Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> Well, then I think you should watch Yellow Jackets because that show is genuinely just fucked up. <laughs> and it's got nothing to do with wealth and extravagance. I actually don't even know if I wanted to watch Yellow Jackets where I would find it here. How? Yeah. Like it's. Yeah. Because it's on Showtime here, which is rare for a Showtime show to be good. And let's just hope they don't go the route of Homeland where they decide to do 14 seasons. Oh, I, lo- I can't wait till one of them starts a relationship with a 13-year-old terrorist. Well, they're they're 14-year-old girls, so... <laughs> so a 60-year-old terrorist. Really get things uncomfortable. And now, if anyone has suggestions for TV shows they think I might like, again, feel free to contact us on Twitter or Instagram, because I am very much open to suggestions. It is especially as we are nearing the end of the European football season. <laughs> There's no major year like football tournaments this summer. So it's going to be a, a like a down summer from a sporting perspective perspective. I think I had an S there. So unless I'm going to throw myself into the baseball season, I am in desperate need of a TV show. Well, I guess one way to end this, Eddie, would be I um, after we usually watch our television shows, I'll just peruse whatever's on. And usually in that time frame, there's a family feud that's on. And I caught the the final round of family feud. Could have been one of the worst tandem answers to a question I've seen in a very very long time so for those not familiar with family feud at the end the winning team they choose two people and they the first person gets like gets to go and the other person can't hear the answers and then they ask them five questions in 30 seconds like rapid fire and then they bring out the second person and they ask the same questions and when they add up the points uh if it's over 200 they win or whatever so it's again family feud is guessing what like the polls of people would have selected like majority. Here's the question, Eddie. Name a food you see a toothpick stuck in at a party. Uh, I would say olive is the first thing that came to my mind. Okay. Olive's good. I thought meatball. Okay. Or cheese. Cheese would be good. Meatball feels, I mean, that's very American. Meatball feels Ikea. Yeah. <laughs> like a mini Swedish meatball. That's what I pictured. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Olive. I, I'm, now, I wasn't. I'm just being genuine. That Olive's was, pretty that good. That was like, I don't love it because I don't think, I think you'd argue that most of the time, like the, there is not a toothpick stuck into the olive while it's going around. That might be in the drink maybe. But you kind of have the, you have the toothpick there as your way of, your way of grabbing it. But it's not like they're sitting on a table yeah. with 
toothpicks stuck in them. But that was yeah. the. You know. I wasn't. I wasn't super happy with my answer, but I thought, okay, you know, that's not terrible. Like some sort of meat dish. Once I heard their answers, I felt much better. The first answer was caviar. <laughs> <laughs> that is either a very big fish egg. <laughs> Or it is a very <laughs> small toothpick. <laughs> caviar. That was the first answer, caviar. The second answer is exponentially worse. Ice cream. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I don't know. I actually don't know which one of those is worse. <laughs> no, ice cream is worse. Uh... <laughs> How can you possibly eat ice cream with the toothpick? I, I'd argue you could eat ice cream with a toothpick more easily than you could eat caviar with a toothpick. I would argue the other way. I think I could maybe poke a caviar. I don't think <laughs> I can scoop ice cream with a toothpick. One, the toothpick will either break or two, the ice cream will melt and I'll just be licking no. – I'll be licking wood chips so, so, soaked in milk. So this is where I just – because you have no chance of – poking a, a sturgeon egg. What you might be able to do with the toothpick and caviar is kind of like semi-scoop, but it's going to be super inefficient. You could conceivably with ice cream, depending on how firm it is, is like kind of cut a piece with the toothpick and then stab it. Again, not no. this is not, I'm not saying it's a good answer, but if if we had a competition and it was me eating ice cream first with a toothpick, are you eating caviar first with a toothpick? I win. I'm going to be way... Are you allowed to break your toothpick? Because I think you break it. You'd have to have super optimal ice cream conditions <laughs> to be able to cut the ice cream with a toothpick and not break it and be able to still then poke enough, have it be solid enough that you can poke it and, and bring it to your mouth. Uh, I, I feel confident I would win. <laughs> All right. You buy 20 pounds of caviar... And I'll buy I'll buy two tubs of ice cream and we'll try it. I'll tell you what then. But those could be the worst two answers I've ever heard to a question. As a a fun way to finish then, and maybe we can have this as a little bit of a routine, I will give you a family feud round. And, Ooh, and we can see a whole like five questions? Quick five questions, just a quick fire, and we will see uh, how you do. Is this American Family Feud? Uh, I would assume that this is. Now, are you going to do this in a Steve Harvey voice? No. I okay. don't want to face any potential backlash. I'm used, to, I'm used to listening to it as Steve Harvey would announce it, so I'm going to have to adapt my ears a Okay. Little. Well, okay. that can be your excuse if, if you don't do well here. Okay. 30 seconds on the clock. Putting it on the clock now. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Name something in a bakery a baker might call his wife. Uh, oven. Okay. Name something in a person's closet that only comes out on special occasions. Tuxedo. If you could go to the land of Oz, what would you ask the wizard for? Uh, money. Name something you might see a commercial for during a baseball game. Uh, beer. Tell me a word that rhymes with election. Selection. 
Uh, you tried to get me with erection. <laughs> no way. Well, I was a bit, you, you ran over, but I also read the questions pretty slowly just to make sure yeah. they were clear. Yeah. So you, you did it in 34. I didn't really hesitate. No, no, you did it in 34 seconds, but I don't want a yeah. listener to be like. The first one threw me off because I still don't really understand what that question was asking. Well, so the top answer to the first one was honey or buns. So you score oh. oven was the second tied second best answer scored you nine. Wow. All right. Top answer was 32. The name something in a person's closet that only comes out on special occasions. You said tuxedo. That's the top answer with 35. Nice. Although it says suit or tuxedo. It's pretty. They'll give you both. Yeah. Dress yeah. was 26. Jewelry, 10. Dress shoes, six. Shotgun was four. <laughs> Sick fucks. If you could, if you could go to the land of Oz, this is definitely American. Yeah, one hundred percent. If you could go to the land of Oz, what would you ask the wizard for? You said money. That is the top of. That is the top answer. That's thirty-seven. The next best answer was health slash a new heart, which the Tin Man. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit strange to. This is definitely America. Heart problems, yeah. number one. 17. Uh, a brain, third, with seven. Hot bod was fifth. Peace on earth, fourth. Love. Ooh. Peace on earth fell behind hot bod. Yeah, sorry. Peace <laughs> on earth, fifth, with four. Love, also four. Happiness, also four. And magic powers, slash to fly, also four. <laughs> Name something you might see a commercial for during a baseball game. You said beer. That was the worst answer on the board with four. You could have had Ooh, car, really? car, truck leading the way. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Car. I was going to say car. Baseball equipment slash jerseys, 26. I think that's wrong. Like, I don't know how often you see baseball equipment commercials during like. I was going to say car, and then my next one was Viagra medicine. <laughs> so, uh, medication, six. That would have been yeah. slightly better. Baseball games. Wow, beer four? Yeah, beer four. And Damn, tell me. I was confident in that. Tell one. me a word that rhymes with election. You said selection. That was the top answer on the board with 32. Erection. You told me I tried to get you. That was the second best answer on the board Sick. with 23. And then perfection, <laughs> detection, protection, rejection, collection, and section. So did I get my 100? You, oh yeah, you went. I pull my you weight. went way over hundred because you had a thirty-five, a thirty-seven, and a yep. thirty-two. So you, oh, you, heck yeah, you've won the game. Person number two is cruising into the finish. Well, let's just say, especially because the baseball one, I only got four, and I didn't really understand that first question. So maybe if you understood it, you would say honey. Well, pretty easily. Now that you've warmed up. Final item of the podcast today. I'm going to give you one more, and I'm going to put you in a scenario. Person number one has scored twenty-six. So you need 74 to win the prize. Okay. And your first question is, if your dog ran away, name something you'd be surprised he took with him. Uh, TV remote. What's something you keep in your car just in case? Umbrella. Name an occasion for which you might wear your lucky underwear. Uh, first date. Name something you find in a breakfast buffet. 
Bacon. If there was a store that only sold husbands, most people would try to buy one with what? Money. All right. I am not sure. Try to get me on that last one again. <laughs> I am not sure you got to the, the 70s. No, that, that was tougher. That was a much tougher one. That first one is weird. So you said if your dog ran away, name something you'd be surprised he took with him. You said the TV remote. <laughs> uh-uh. Not an answer uh, on the board. I know. The cat was the top answer with 23. Other That's just a weird question. Leash or collar kind of makes sense. Uh, yeah. His bone was also on there. Mm. What's something you keep in your car just in case? You said umbrella. Survey says, uh-uh. surprisingly enough, what? not on the board. That's the only thing I keep in my car just in case. So they've got first aid kit, money and coins, top answer, food and water. Oh, what is this, from the 1980s? <laughs> food and water, first aid kit, tied for second. Spare tire is third. Map, jumper cables, spare clothes or shoes, a gas can, and for those who are really worried about where they're going to get lost, a flare. Name an occasion for which you might wear your lucky underwear. You said first date. Hot date is the best answer on the board. That would count. So you've got 30. Others included job interview, second best, casino slash gambling, third best, Sporting event, fourth best, wedding night, anniversary, Valentine's days, or exams. Name something you find in a breakfast buffet. You said bacon. That's the second best answer with 24. Oh, best answer. Eggs. Eggs with 25. Oh, okay. That's close. And so this is the, the final question. You were currently on 54, so you need 22 if there was a store that only sold husbands, most people would try to buy one with what? And you said money. I'm going to put that into the bank account category. Yeah. Which only scores 10. Is looks or personality the first one? Personality slash humor is second. Job is first. <laughs> ah. Damn. I got to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> all right so then we'll do that again next time i'll be more in the mindset i did really well the first one that second go those that first question really threw me off it threw me off my game i've never heard someone ask that before. <laughs> well, i mean i think that's the thing is some of them are so and this is what you Weird. need luck with on the tv show is like some of them are so yeah. the questions themselves are kind of bizarre and that might just get your your head going in the wrong way and then the easy ones become harder yeah. All right. Well, with that, we'll uh, call it a day and tune in next week to the Big Chill Podcast slash Family Feud. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. <laughs> Cheerio. Cheerio.